Everyday veterans with everyday issues for vets acclimating back into civilian life. Today we got Tom. Tom is a very uh, well, a very colorful history. He originally served in '91 to '95 in the USS Essex out of San Diego, where he deployed. Uh, did a Westpac, which are always a great time. I can only imagine what they were in the early '90s. I just knew them after 9/11, in which we had to keep going to Dubai and Jabali and Bahrain. Uh, he was an AO, which is, uh, well, a miserable person, uh, as far as, uh, as far as the Navy goes, uh, he got out, spent a little time in the civilian life. And then in the wake of nine 11, he joined back up in 2005 to 2017, where he came back in as a steel worker. And for anybody who doesn't know what a steel worker is, that's a CB and who, whoever doesn't know what a CB is, think of, uh, another miserable person. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. But they build, they fight. They're some of the most historical rates that are out there. Their story, their history is amazing. You can look them up whenever you want. They were uh, actually first put together in March 5th of 1942 underneath uh, Brett Morrell, uh, Admiral Brett Morrell. Uh, if you guys want to, you can look up The Fighting Seabees, which is a movie starring John Wayne. It, you can find actually the full movie on YouTube. It's... Uh, Again, it's John Wayne. It's black and white. It's pretty funny. It's a pretty good movie. Uh, give it a check out. Um, and then uh, Tom got out of, well, no, he de- he, he deployed to Balad, Iraq, where uh, which were my old stomping grounds. We were actually there sh- uh, sharing some of the same dirt or sand. Um, and then Tom got out in uh, 2017, went air guard, where he retired as a tech sergeant of 20 years. Tom, welcome aboard, shipmate. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. Of course, man. Uh, you know, I, as I say in all of my shows, dude, my veterans are my heroes, my brothers, my sisters. I love you guys for what you do, um, what you continue to do. So Gen Xer, I'm guessing is what you are. And, uh, for some God awful reason, you decided to join the United States Navy during, it looks like desert storm. Um, yes. the, the original desert desert problems. But uh, what made you first join the military? I I always grew I grew up just knowing that I was going to do it. I didn't know which branch. My father was uh, Army Reserves at the time, twenty years, retired, uh, E eight, and um, you know just that living that life with that uh, with that influence. I just kind of always knew I was going to do it. Just until I got to high school and started really kind of narrowing everything down, I didn't. Wasn't sure what I was going to do. But it's been probably one of the best things. And I mean, I know a lot of people uh, say guys, men, men saying, fuck it, I'm going to join the military is the same as or the equivalent of women saying, fuck it, I'm going to become a stripper. You know, it it, it really sets you up for success, the military. Yes. Yes, it does. Um, We joined establishing. No, go ahead. You go ahead, man. This is your show. 
No, I was just going to say it, 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 for me, it established uh, a maturity. Of course, you know, there's a lot of immaturity in the military, but it gives Fact. you mature maturity in the sense of responsibility. I'll agree with that. Yeah. 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 I could, I could see where you're going with that one. Um, so you joined the military in 91, get out in 95. Uh, what was the Westpac like? What were you guys doing? Um, and you were in the Essex, yeah, so that's a, a LPD? LHD, uh, Anfield, LHD. flat top. Yeah, 1,300 Marine, uh, 1,300 sailors, 2,500 Marines, so it was packed. 800, really? I think, 820 feet long, roughly 200 foot wide, you know, give or take. I don't know the exact details on that, so it was packed. The best way to picture an amphib is to picture a carrier's little brother, I guess, is the best way to just a big old floating box, though. Without the slingshots on the top. Yeah. So what 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 kind of West what what countries did you guys hit on that Westpac? Uh, Let's see. When we left there, of course, we did a rim pack earlier. If anybody, the Navy guys know what a rim pack is on the West Coast. It was three months, just exercises with other countries. All right, then we got to the Westpac. We went to Japan for a resupply. Uh, we did not put boots on the ground there. We just, they just basically hit the port, picked up supplies. From there, we went to Hong Kong. We saw Hong Kong just before, like a year before, they turned it back over to the uh, Chinese government. The British gotcha. still had control of it then. Oh, wow. uh, left there, went to Singapore. Um, that was an <laughs> awesome stop. Uh-huh. That bet. was a very interesting stop. From Singapore, we went straight to the Persian Gulf. Uh, we were there for roughly two, two and a half months, kind of for the operation they call Desert Sweep at the time. Okay. Uh, we did stop in Kuwait. Again, that was just a supply stop, no boots on yeah. ground. Uh we went from there. We did get to some time on the ground at Dubai, Jabali. Um, well, I couldn't imagine Dubai at that time. There had to have been nothing but sand out there at that point. That's it. Nothing but sand. Jabali was about 45 minutes to an hour bus ride away. Um, and then it was during Ramadan. So the daytime when we were allowed to be out was dead as a hammer. Nothing. Nobody. Nowhere. Except for the people working at the stores, um, I got and you. then by the time by the time we got back to the ship that evening, of course, being the uh, being in the amphib world, you know, we make the best of every situation. We're like we're like the kids with a stick in a muddy ditch. Uh, we can have fun with anything. So we built our we built our own beer garden uh, right there nice. here. Okay, uh, yeah, we used some, some pallets and some uh cardboard made a dance floor and just had had fun we were there for about a week and a half two weeks good stuff from man. There, so- no i was gonna say from there we went down and picked up off the horn of africa picked up a uh, some army bubbles uh i think they were uh, rangers and went back up and did the ev- evacuation of somalia when the un did their evacuation i built a lot of the fireworks for that show uh, of course, counted all the BBs for the Marines getting off and getting back on. And then from there, we went to Fremantle, Australia, and Perth. Um, for those that know, since they've closed down the Philippines, the absolute best pork, 
port call in the world. Australia. Now, I'm not, I will not argue with anybody about it. it it's facts. You, you cannot prove me wrong. And, yeah, Australia's uh, a there, good time. Wonderful from people. From there, we came home. Yeah, from there, we came home. We stopped in Hawaii for a couple of days and then came on mm-hmm. home. I got out shortly after that. Okay, so you got out. Like you were telling me before, you got out, you got married, life happened, and then 9-11 hit, and some of your buddies were hitting you back up like, hey, Tom, let's, let's roll. Yeah, it, of course, it was, you know, it was a rough time for everybody. Uh, the factory that I was working for actually uh, laid a bunch of people off right after 9-11. Uh, I worked basically just to keep insurance uh, and looking for other jobs and had a we look, we had our budget set up at the house, and I told my wife, I said, if I don't have something stable by this date, I'm going to go sign a contract, go back in the Navy. Gotcha. Uh, she was in agreement with it. We, we talked about it. She was in agreement with it. I actually got on with uh, the railroad locally there, and that kind of cut that off. But like right after that, I was getting phone calls from several of my old shipmates saying, hey, man. We go back to our first command together. Let's go, let's go, let's go. It ate at me for years, for a couple of years. Um, I told yeah. them no. I stayed home. And then uh, uh, about 2004, 2005, my work changed again. And uh, I talked to my wife and I said, hey, you know, this has been heavy on my mind. I want to look at doing something different. Uh, she said, well, go talk to a recruiter. And uh, he actually lined me up with the Navy Reserves, the CBs program. He laid out a couple of jobs. And I chose Steelworker because it would give me a trade that I could fall back on if something else happened in the civilian world. Yeah. So I'm like, you, you're right in a lot of ways. Life sucked. But I couldn't have loved it more. Had I known more about the CBs when I joined the first time, I'd have probably joined as joined as a CB and stayed a CB and retired there. Gotcha. Uh, but, you know, God puts us where we are for a reason. So uh, I loved every second of it. I was with the NMCB 24 headquartered out of Huntsville, Alabama. Um, I actually was project manager for a little while. Um, we did a lot of projects for Redstone. Some of their test facilities, the contractors on there, where they test okay. a, a lot of a lot of equipment. And then uh, when they did the restructure 2013, they basically cut the CBs in half. Um, and they decommissioned our battalion. And so I ended I remember up with that. The, I remember that. Yeah, I ended up with Naval Construction Group 2 out of Gulfport, Mississippi. I became a basic military skills instructor. Um, pretty much, I. I taught a couple of classes, did a lot of SKUs training, did a lot of um, expeditionary training, but most of the time that I spent on orders were field evaluations on the, okay. the, the fixes. Yeah, the, the fixes are such a pain in the ass, too, to go get that damn bug. Oh, well, when you're, when you're over in the reserves, they only do it in two times of the year. It's either yeah. the coldest time of the year, the end of February, tornadoes rain mud all that or it's in the hottest time of the year in august and camp shelby mississippi miserable place yeah they Absolutely got mosquitoes the size of bats out that way yeah 
Yes. Um, but, you know, if you know about initial contracts are always eight years, whether you serve active two years, four years, or six years, the whole contract is eight years. So I did four years. There's four years, what they call inactive ready reserve, which count. Mm-hmm. They count as bad years when it comes to points yeah. for retirement. So I had four years back. So basically, at the end of my contract, 2017, I was up against the wall for my higher tenure as an E6. Uh, and there was, they were making zero. The quota was zero for a uh, chief then. So I, there was no chance, really, of me making chief. There might have been some chance if I'd have stretched out on a one-year extension. But uh, I went ahead and just let my contract run out. The very next day, I went to uh, Montgomery, Alabama, and signed a contract with the Alabama National Guard with the 187th Fighter Wing. Gotcha. And I actually did two deployments with them, but only one was overseas. It was uh, Operation Inherit Resolve in Kuwait. Okay. Yeah, Kuwait, Kuwait ain't that bad. Kuwait, it just hot and smells like poo everywhere you go. Well, see, we were in a kind of a different spot there. Uh, not a people, lot, not a lot of people know about uh, Al. It was some people called it Al Jabber, some people called it Al Jabbar. Um, and it was kind of off by itself. It was the Kuwaiti Air Force uh, base, and it was on the upswing again. They so a lot of the stuff had already been pulled out, equipment, everything. Mm. So they were just starting to build it back up. We actually had to live in tents. Air Force do live in tents. We got to live in tents. I was there for five months in a tent. So it wasn't that yeah, bad. It was through falling. It was falling winter, so it wasn't that bad. So I got you. So um, you finished up your time. You were in Balad too. You said. Um, yeah yeah we can we can we can just kind of knock off of each other because you're saying defac one which was the longest walk because nobody lived by that one i love defac two because the food was pretty similar and it was right outside of h6 where i was living so um yeah we we were right there at the flight line we used to mess with the uh the secret squirrel side because we were navy and nobody could tell the difference we just walk in and we'd go to their defect as well. I don't know if you've ever been in their defect. They had the good yeah. shit. It was good. Like, hey, if you look from an aerial, aerial view of the flight line, there was one end that had all the Connex boxes laid out in, like, rows. Uh-huh. That was actually the compound where I had my shop. I was okay. the steel shop. was a steel shop supervisor there. Uh, from the whole deployment. And then when we started pushing our bees out to the different fobs, I actually covered the uh, carpenter shop supervisor there too. But yeah, anytime we left our compound, we did it in PT gear. So we wouldn't have to be wearing all our gear. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that was ridiculous how they went, but we made our, we made our ways to that swimming pool though. Didn't we? No doubt. Every Sunday, every <laughs> Sunday. Like I remember, busters. dude, I remember being there at the swimming pool and I know everybody's sitting there like, what the fuck? I thought you guys were in Balada. So Balada, Iraq was one of Saddam's major installations. This had, it had a, it had a theater. It had an in-ground yeah. swimming pool with like Olympic style diving boards. 
when I was yes. there, so you were only allowed to hit like the 10 meter and the 20 meter. And then there was like the 30 meter, but they had that taped off and nobody was allowed to go all the way up to the yeah. top. They had the 80s. I think it was the 82nd showed up and they saw that the tape and they were just like, rant. they ripped that shit right down and they jumped right to the top and they were diving off that thing. And I was like, Good I was Lord. the crazy one that dove off. And look what I call my flying squirrel dive. It looked like I was jumping out of an airplane, you know, arms back, feet back, mm -hmm. like I had on a flight suit. And then right yeah. before I hit the water, I'd go into a dive. That was me. I that love was that, that spot, was, man. That, that, that was a good time, man. You know, you just Charlie Daniels. Out. Charlie Daniels came through. I was the, there. Uh, yes. I was there. I was up in the upper balcony because it was better seats. Everybody wanted to be down bottom. We went, got there early in the upper balcony he actually came through the uh exchange on our side and i went over there and met him and got his uh got his autograph and his no uh, shit. i was yeah. backstage with the dude they uh because i was oh, doing cool. uh they asked because the whole battalion that we were with they wanted to know what we were doing up in iraq so they some of the guys told me because i was an e4 at the time i was like master of the e4 mafia they were like you need to take on a collateral duty i was like i don't want to do shit else I, I have to do this job to begin with and this sucks and they're like well we need you to do extra shit so i was like all right and i wound up uh, i bought a camera and i was like i'll just take pictures of the events that happen around base and we'll send them down to um to kuwait where majority of our our battalion was and they're like fine so i'd go to the i went to charlie daniels craig morgan uh lone star um yep. Yep. uh no uh, not no doubt uh what is no, it it was uh, the it was the knockoff band for no doubt no, it wasn't even the same music there, uh, black street so black street yeah who sings the song no diggity no doubt they were there i mean these people were coming out through the uso and i wound up up on stage with Charlie uh, backstage with Charlie Daniels, where he started like tuning up somebody's uh, banjo and just going to town. I mean, it was really fucking cool. But some of the air force people that were doing the same thing, taking photos, knocked one of the guitars over. And so yeah, the, the guy yeah. who was like the roadie was yelling at all of us, telling us we had to leave and shit. I mean, he was being real mean about shit. I was like, I didn't even do anything. Well, but know, that's they, a they, big boy. That almost didn't happen because remember that was when they were had they were in Al Assad right before us and it had that big sandstorm. Yeah, we had sandstorms and getting mortared like a motherfucker. Mm-hmm. All right, I man. So we finished up night. our time and you did the air guard and now we're we're living the life. Where are we living nowadays? I'm in central Alabama, uh between Tuscaloosa and Birmingham is where I live. I actually work in the Birmingham metro area. Okay. Okay. How's, how's, what, what, what have we been, I know you were saying you've been dealing with some things these last couple of years since, uh, last, well, actually just last year when you retired, man, you hung up that uniform for the very last time. I want to tell you that's, that was, I was not ready for how that all went down. Uh, I put in my paperwork to retire in January. Mm -hmm. I actually didn't retire till May. So between those two times, the wheels came off with all the COVID stuff. Um, I was not able to have any kind of ceremony, uh, wasn't able to go have any kind of meet, meet up with all the guys that I served with. Uh, they shut everything down. There was nothing. Nobody was getting together to do anything. I struggled with that. Uh, uh, started hearing about 
uh, several of my old shipmates. Uh, we lost them that year. Um, you know, just staying in touch with all those, some of those guys through Facebook and Instagram and all that. Uh, I was just getting into TikTok at that time. That mm-hmm. was kind of, that was, uh, I was an infant TikToker back then. But uh, I struggled that year was rough on me because I just could not get together with the guys that, you know, my brothers and sisters that meant the most, most to me. Um, of course, it was also just, and they yanked that, I guess, what you call command and control out from underneath you that you're used to for almost uh, 20 years. You know, I managed to stretch my 20 year career into 22, into 29 years. So, um, yeah, that that was rough. That's that's a, and when you start hearing about the loss of brothers and sisters, yeah, um, I was looking for something to kind of, um, fill the void. Uh, I actually joined the VFW, a lifetime member. Uh, I recommend that for anybody, even if you're still active, if you've got a DD-214 that shows that you served in a combat zone, you need to go. That is a circle of comrades that will fight to the better end to keep your head above water. There's no doubt about it. Um, The American Legion, American Legion's another good one. Uh, Reach out, you know, of course, I, my my VA that I work with is in Tuscaloosa. It's mm-hmm. you know I know a lot of people have a lot of heartache with what goes in the VA. Um, I'm not going to say it's not frustrating, but that's a good VA. Um, I all well, we I ever had to do. I always love uh, giving shout outs to people. You know the VAs that that are out there doing God's work, that are taking care of our veterans, that are not treating it like oh this is just a process. This is how you got to. The ones who really care, who show, and you're saying Tuscaloosa, Alabama, you know, we got to give them a shout out. Appreciate them for doing what they yes. do. Um, you know, I've heard a couple of good ones. I always talk up Chattanooga, Tennessee's. Um, there's another yeah. one in Georgia, one in Arizona that's supposed to be really kick ass. And I, I, I got to show respect to that, that there's somebody out there that is still doing the right thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're just like us. They they're taking for a long time it was a bad situation, the bureaucracy, all the paperwork, but they're still, they're providing a service just like we did mm. with heart, with their heart and soul and doing it besides all the frustration of the stuff that they have to deal with. So that's that all I've ever had to do to my, with my provider is just say, Hey, I feel like I need this. Or I feel like I need that. And no questions asked. Got it. Okay. Then, then you talk. You you touched on the VFW American Legion. I'm a VFW lifetime member myself. Um, I, I try to be as active as I can with the VFW. It, it's a great place, gr- good group of guys, and it gives you a networking of people to contact in case you have some type of issues. You're saying, you know, they exactly. they, they are they they're pretty much just a, a support group. You know, and it's hard for, you know, guys my age. I, I You got me, but I'm not going to say how many years you're, you're kind of old as hell. I'm, I'm just kidding. But, um, you know, guys who are OIF, OEF that are just getting out, they're not looking at the VFW like, oh, yeah, I want to be a member of that. They're looking at the VFW as you remember the 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 uh, the, the Vietnam era, the, the World War yeah. Two, the Korean era. We're like, that's not us just yet. But it is. It's our it, time. Yeah, we're now. the next it's, generation. It's, we are the next generation. 
And yeah. we always looked at these guys as though all they're doing is sitting around smoking and token and, and sharing. No, they're old active stories. in the community. Yes. Uh, my local is uh, 6022 out of Cottondale, Alabama. Give them a shout out. They are very active. We're one of the few can we're one of the few in the state that have a canteen. We have a we have a ballroom. We have a bar. And all we we rent our ballroom out to anybody for for you know, if somebody wants to do a wedding or reception or just get yeah. together, family reunions, we rent that side out to anybody. And then we have the bar and we open this up to the public on Friday and Saturday nights because we have live music, karaoke. Um, you know, we have turkey shoots, uh, every Thursday night, they have, uh, classic cars come out the parking lot, hang out. Uh, there's all, we, we, we just had a gun show, um, a couple weeks ago and, you know, and plus all the programs that go on behind the scene, the, all these activities that we raising money, we turn around and majority of that money goes back into Helping veterans, uh, of course, we're directly connected with the VA. Uh, so we, we, if there's a veteran, a homeless, especially the homeless, they come through town and they need help. Uh, a lot of our guys look for these guys. It's not that they don't have to come to us. You know, when we see a guy on the corner that this guy holding up that sign that says he's a veteran. We verify, you know, hey, are you really a veteran? Can you verify? You know, do you need help? If you need help, we get them yeah. hooked up. We get them in the right channel. Um, that's that's good and, stuff man that's that's right along the lines of where we're at with our vfw uh we do have an a, a question from lester he wants to know have you struggled with depression or anything like that since you've been out yes uh that's one of the that's what we'll talk about one of the things i asked for um with my struggle i found my communication at home was struggling with my with my family uh and my wife actually said you know i i kind of spoke out about it said i think i might need to do this and she she agreed with me she was not condescending about it she said hey yeah that might be something you need to look at doing um i did about 11 weeks uh of with a counselor um and unfortunately it was by zoom and are the mm -hmm. within the va to have their own type of uh, video conference system but you know what I can honestly say that it made all the difference in the world, yeah. uh, especially with the relationship between me and my son. Um, you know, he's, he was going through his freshman year of high school. We had just moved to a different community. So he had a different year, So he had, a, he had his own issues going on. He was struggling his own. He was, he was the new kid at school. He was a freshman, you know, so that, you know, it, if anybody that can remember those times, that's, that's not yeah. an easy time by itself. It's scary. But, uh, it, it improved my relationship with him. That's good. Hands down, just bar none, no questions. I would not, I would do it. I would do it again. Uh, just matter of fact, I just finished up my last session about a month and a half ago and it's still, uh, yeah, I would do that again in a heartbeat. And if I, if I feel like things are struggling, even if my wife comes to me and says, I think you might need something, um, I'm not going to question it. I'm going to go, I'm going to go set it up and I'm going to do it again. And I'm glad you touched on the mental health part of things. I, that That's one of my biggest, uh, biggest things that I always try to push is working on your mental health, your mental strengthening, uh, you know, 
are and then and, and you know your what your everything that your VFW does are are that's awesome that your VFW gets you in front is able to get you in front of a counselor for eleven weeks because uh, one of the things Lester was asking was wondering how you came over it but it was through that counseling breaking it down the issues that you are going through they break it down for you Barney style through these counseling and I know this personally yes. because. I'm going through the same stuff, not through my VFW. However, my VFW up here in New Lenox, which is post 9545, which is hysterical because 9545 training in the United States Navy is you're pretty much doing like the on-duty masher at arms kind of training. Yeah. So you're, but um, what we are doing coming up is our uh, ruck march. That ruck march that I keep putting out on TikTok is coming yeah. up here on 9-11 and all funds raised go to an organization called the headstrong project you can find them at headstrong or get headstrong g-e-t-h-e-a-d-s-t-r-o-n-g all normal common spelling dot o-r-g they are a non-for-profit organization that gets veterans the mental health that they need not only do they get the veterans counseling but they get the veterans family counseling as well so that they can understand what the veteran is going through and help the uh help them combat uh, help them combat the the PTSD as a team, as opposed to not knowing what's going on with dad, what's going on with you know husband or wife or son or whoever is suffering from the PTSD. That veteran gets that that unit, that family unit gets all the training that they need so that they know what's going on. That's what the Headstrong Project does, and they are non for profit. They are not nationwide. They are working at it. They are. Um, they have been a pretty amazing. Uh, organization, you you call them, they set you up with an appointment with their their like uh, regional. You go and see them. They give you like the yay or nay whether you qualify or not, and then they give you a list of people to choose from in your area. And then you start seeing somebody within a week. They are recognized by the Veterans Affairs, so that means any type of notes that that counselor takes goes directly to the VA to go towards your disability claim, towards your PTSD, you your you you pointed on something right there. They got they get you in within a week. Yeah, that that's huge. It, it's amazing, because, man, how fast I went and saw somebody. Yeah, that's because that. I mean, you got to think. I didn't realize how, you know, and you know, I, gone unchecked. Had I not gone and and sought help, uh, would it have destroyed my relationships at home? Maybe not. Maybe not. But one thing I can say is it made it a hundred times better. Yeah. That, that, that by itself is uh, enough. You know, a lot of us service members, we, uh, we have pride. Um, we don't, we think that it's, we have to be tough all the time. You ain't got to be tough all the time. I want everybody to stand by. If you follow me on TikTok, uh, y'all watch this 72. Uh, if you follow me on TikTok, I want you to, I'm something I've learned in this past year and a half, something I've learned in the past week. Um, I know you probably saw this when, cause I think we talked about this the other day. I've blown up in the past week. Uh, the general, yeah, yeah public, you had a big number jump there. Yeah. The general public took a video that I made for the mill talk civil war and they took it as a stance. You know what? And it's on way it is. It is. It's, it was a stance for us. Um, the support that I got from the general public, people speaking out said, hey, my dad was a Vietnam vet. My, my grandfather was in uh, World War II, Korea, things like that. People reaching out to me, I would have never believed 
right? That this would have happened to me over That's a simple video. Too, yeah. Or, over a simple video that I was just having fun, mm. you know, and it totally erupted. Um, I got people asking, you're watch, watch this 72, right? It's y'all, Y-A-L-L, underscore, watch, underscore, this, 72. There you go. Y'all watch this, 72. It's Tom. Find him. He looks and, like a combat Santa Claus. <laughs> and look, if you go if you go to my content from older than a week ago, it's just me. You know, I could I think of something real. I get a break it on lunch, or I'm at the house, and I think of something funny, or something entertaining, or something informative, or even to a certain extent, I, I make myself a little vulnerable just to show everybody that it's okay to be vulnerable. But like I was saying, if you wait till this afternoon, um, I'm I'm fixed to make myself very vulnerable. I, I'm looking forward to it. Um, what, so you're talking about making yourself vulnerable. What what has been some of the things that have changed with you, your spouse, your son? What what were the things that changed that has uh, upgraded your relationships? What what was it? Being vocal about my emotions. Not feeling like I got to be the tough guy all the time. You know, I'm going to say it. I can sit and watch TV and see a commercial or just something that's being portrayed on TV between somebody's relationship. And it brings back, you know, all these emotions that I have. And I'll sit there and tear up. And I used to kind of sit there and, and would sit still, freeze up, and not let my wife see me kind of get emotional, not let my son see me emotional. And I and now, and I'm, I'm not going to sit there and call attention to it, but now if I'm watching a show, and I ain't going to lie, Netflix, The Ranch, uh, Samuel That's a good Elliott, one, man. Good that, gosh. Yeah. You want to talk about rip the soul right out of you sometimes with the way that they address family issues and things like that. Look, I would, I would, they would bring me to the point that I mean, if I was sitting in a room by myself, I would literally just let it all out. I would, I would bawl and cry like a baby. Um, Just like right now, don't watch Yellowstone. See, I've been told that, and I'm holding off. I can only do these one at a time. I the first the first one the first movie that ever got me was Act of Valor. Um, That's a good one. Yeah, you know, like because those 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 guys have been my customers throughout most of my career. Um, I worked with EOD on the ship. I was assigned to their spaces, um, and then as a steel worker with the bees, of course, being on that uh, on that dark side of Balad. You know, those guys were my customers. Those guys were the, I was rubbing el- elbows with. Now, look, yeah. I, by no means, I was not the tough guy, you know, kicking in doors, chasing bad guys and all that. That was not me. Uh, my job was to support them and make their life easier when they came back and tried to get some rest. Uh, that yeah. was my job to support them. Uh, and, and but, you know, seeing my guys, those were my guys, seeing my guys go through that. I'm getting shook up now. I'll just think about it. Yeah, tore me up. That was that's the first a thing, one man. That, and that's that's one of the major things that people don't understand when they never served is the 
the person who's next to you, the support that you gave to that team, the support, you know, some of the people who have the hardest time leaving the military and they don't even know it at that point are the docs. Yeah. The doc, the, 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 the corpsmen, the medics, they, especially the field Marine medics, they, man, they, they, those Marines count on that person. They know each one of those people. They know their issues. They know we had another doc that was on here not too long ago. Now, uh, there's Doc McAllister who was phenomenal, but there was another doc that lost three guys. Um, he he broke his leg before he broke his knee before he uh, before the team deployed just after 9/11 had hit, and they lost three Marines because they they put in a new corpsman, and it's it's nobody's fault. But it, you know, no. and he blames yeah. himself for not being there, but he knew each one of those Marines. He knew what was going on with them and having those group of guys or, you know, people, women, men that are, that are leaning on you, that you're there for them. And that feeling you get, you lose that when you, when you come home, that, you know, that you look to your right, you look to your left, those people, you put their lives in your, or your lives in their hand. And they did the same with you to know that you're supporting each other, that you're out there. And that was what really got to me was there are people still out there. There are people still in Iraq. There are U.S. soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines. They're in Iraq. They're in Afghanistan. And we're still here. Now, I still don my uniform from time to time. But I feel like I'm, I'm, I should be over there doing something. I got guys that are in my unit there because they're no longer sending people as units. They're sending them as inaugmentees. They're sending them by themselves. And they're coming to me. These are young men and women who are anywhere between the ages of 18 to 24. And they look to me and said, what can I expect? And I'm just sitting there like, I want to take yeah. your spot, man. I don't want you to go. And I think, you know, going go on that, uh, the kind of some, some of the toughest parts for us and being in that situation is that you, me personally, when I talk to buddies who are still active or still, I've got a, some of my guys that I was with the CVs with are getting ready to deploy right now. Uh, and I'm like you, I sent one of them get, he's in, he's one of the, he's, uh, he's the, He's the chief that's over the doc list of who's going. And I, I sent him a message jokingly, but, you know, sarcastically, of course, in all sarcasms, there's a touch of truth. But yeah. I said, hey, you got room for one more because I'd go in a heartbeat. And that's something that a lot of us need to remember when we come home and you said, like, taking the uniform off is you you want to go because those are your guys. You don't. And we don't need to lose the sense of doing this alone because we've been taught for so long to stick together. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to say anything that has been said before, because there's a video that goes around that says, you know, uh, when you find yourself in a position where you don't think you can take it anymore, it's your job to reach out. It's your training. Facts. Yeah, man. No, that's tough. So, you know, the term broken arrow, obviously you've worked on, missiles yeah. and, and bombs and stuff so there's that term where there's a, a missing warhead the other term for broken arrow which is my tiktok name is when you, you are pinned down in the air enemy is surrounding you you call broken arrow for support and that's what we do that's what this is about supporting each other and getting through the tough times you know I, i've met a lot of great veterans on tiktok i know it sounds silly as can be 
but some of the Same. best people that I've met are are just phenomenal. People, you know, um, Mox. I don't know if you know Big Mox, Moxie. He he has the don't go upstairs alone, which is don't go into your brain alone. You know, don't go into yes. your thoughts by yourself. You got the Fiegel, uh, the Fiegel. <laughs> you got Fiegel yes. with the recall roster. Right. Adam Fiegel, wonderful guy who started up a good grip of people support group, Veterans Drinking Vodka, which is my production company. They are not mine, but the people that I work for, they got a group on here. Um, they they do meetups every Sunday night of a grip of veterans who are just able, just like we're doing right now, you're on what we normally use. This platform right here, this Zoom meeting, this is what we use. We talk with each other on a regular basis. We check in with each other. What's going on? You got AWOL Anglers out of New Mexico. You got uh, Eddie with Tackle 22 Fishing. You got uh, the uh, Battle Buddy Response Team, which is out of, uh, I believe they're West Virginians where Sam's at. You got um, Chad with Battle 22. I mean, yes. such, and I've met so many other people through TikTok that I've had on this show that, that they have opened up new programs. There's one in Iowa that I plan on going to. It's like a retreat center. You can go with your brothers or sisters or whatever it is, and you do different events together and you enjoy it. That team building stuff is back, you know, and that's what we need. You got the irrelevant warriors. They do the ruck marches, and that's what we have coming up with my VFW. You got the VFW, you got the American Legion, you got all these support groups that all you need to do is just step forward. And let us help yep. out. Let us be part of that chain of command for you. Let us help out again. I, you know, I talked about being an infant in TikTok. You, you know, to that day, it was November 2019 when I started. My son was 13. He wanted to get a TikTok account. Uh, of course, me and my wife will try to stay active in all his, like everything he wants to get involved in. I got it to start with just to see what it was about. Just to uh -huh. see, of course, right out of the gate. I started picking up on other service members making TikToks. Um, yeah. and I, and, and I got in, I started following a couple of those guys, uh, by March, by the time I was getting, getting ready to retire, I had a, I had a following uh, of guys that were following me and a bunch more that I followed and just started. I, and I, I never spoke to spoke out to them. I just watched their material. I enjoyed it. Which got angry cop. You got habitual line crosser. You angry got cop mandatory is too fun. much for me, man. Oh my gosh! Just habitual line guys, crosser, infantry guru. Infantry yeah, guru. I just picked up infantry, infantry guru like at Christmas. Um, He's a good man. I, picked, I talked with him offline. Uh, Boomer. Boomer. I picked up Boomer. All right, here's the story. This is where I blew up. I've been following Boomer. the the doc. Uh, I know, that, now, Ty, that's Ty. Yeah, he's actually Ty, in yeah. Chicago. Yeah, I picked up Ty uh, a couple months ago. Loved all the stuff. I've, I watched him. And then about a week into the Civil War, I decided to make the video I made as a CB uh -huh. siding with the Marines. Of course, that pissed off Cupid stunts and, and all that, that bunch. You know, they were mad at me for doing that. But I explained, you know, my entire career has been centered around, you know, taking care of those guys, this, the Marine yeah. Corps, my doc. And I made the statement, I'm going to go where my doc goes. And in the reference to my doc at the time, it still is, is tight. You know, so <laughs> that's the video that blew up. And it was in contents of the Civil War. But the people that have come out of the woodwork and just, God, um, 
you know, I can't mention all, I can't, I, I can't, I, I, I'm not going to name any names just right now because there's so many guys that have, uh, you including, because I've followed you for a while, uh, you including have, have kind of seen the ripple that I made and kind of grabbed the hold of it and you, and you're coaching me up. And I cannot yeah. believe, I cannot believe where I'm at right now. Uh, I've got so many ideas in my head um, and I'm going to need fostering in this, uh, but I've got so many ideas in my head, uh, things that I want to do because I understand now the impact I made. Like I said, when these guys come on that video and they comment and say, Hey, I was 82nd, you know, from this time to this time, you know, I'm with you, brother. Um, you know, all the CBs, CBs are one percent, one and a half percent of the overall population of the Navy. So we're few and far between. But once we gravitate towards each, towards each other, we are a powerful community. Y'all are dangerous, dangerous group of people. I've worked <laughs> the so most dangerous thing the in the Navy. The most dangerous thing in the Navy is a CB with time on his hands. <laughs> facts man y'all start building something or build, making something or start stealing shit um, look if you're gonna no. deploy to the desert if you're gonna deploy to the desert here's the question would you rather go and build the stuff that it's gonna be occupied that way you have control over where you lay your head at night you know hands down it's gonna be the best of the best of whatever you can get a hold of, story, or would you man. rather be subject to what's left behind, the leftovers, and just dealing with what? So I, I made, I didn't know it at the time, but I made an awesome choice on that. So when I would never really dealt with CBs before, when I was active duty, I'm a bosun mate. I'm a bosun mate first class. So as a boat, we get on a ship. I was on destroyer. I was on small boys. I didn't mess with CBs. I didn't know anything about CBs. I didn't know anything about brown water Navy. I didn't know anything about land side Navy. I didn't even know we were on land. I didn't know what the hell was going on. All I knew is I wanted to go to a foreign port. I wanted to drink and party and hook up with chicks. That's what bosun mates do. We work hard. We play hard. So I wound up getting out and then I wound up going to active reserves and I was with the uh, Navy cargo handling battalion seven. So NCHP seven. And guess what they got in there? They got some CB. guys that drive trucks and they got guys that build shit. And I was like, what the hell do you guys do? They're like, we're CBs. I'm sitting there like, what the fuck is a CB? I'm a bosun mate. I know what's up. You know, bosun mates are bad mamma jammas. We're salt of the earth. And man, did I learn what CBs do because they always had the best shit. They didn't have shit when they showed up, but they wound up when they left, they had the best shit. They were building and stuff. You ain't going to find out where they got it either. You you, ain't no, they, they, they do what we like to call in the military, <laughs> reappropriating. And they would reappropriate. Tactically acquired was another one. They would, <laughs> they would, they would do whatever they wanted to. They, and we made a mistake. We made a huge mistake. Uh, and a lot of people paid for it. Um, we were in field training in Chena Mannix, and we decided to steal the CB flag. And it, yeah, it turned. It did not turn out well. Um, using All right, look on that note. On that note, yeah, you know, I in my video last night. Did you see my video last night? I have not, sir. But I do know that. Our all of our generators ran out of fuel, and <laughs> some of our tents, some of our tents went missing. 
um, people's people's cots and stuff went missing. Well, it it, it became bad. Colonel Nordic made a point with a uh, habitual line crosser and OG Boomer. He told OG Boomer that certain certain things were sacred, and I agree with him. Uh, evidently, and I don't. He is what he is. He's Army. Uh, and sir, if you're if you ever see this, the most respect in the world. But I am a CB through and through. Uh, we don't regard authority very high. We sure don't. We sure <laughs> but, don't. Uh, I've, I've seen that but first. When you, but when you put the the sacredness of the Wooby poncho liner over the sacredness of the crayon you know to me i can i can consider them equal and i can treat that poncho liner with the same respect that i can treat crayons uh and if i hold the wooby if i've ever held the wooby i will not confirm or deny if i've ever held the wooby um uh hostage i treated it with respect up until the point that uh the colonel disrespected our sacred things so i kind of i kind of stirred the pot last night on a video so uh that one i hang on as far as i thought but it's not over yet so <laughs> so yeah, yeah. The CBs have a special way of letting you know how we feel yeah uh i gave matt props uh after the after the field exercises were done and we were getting up onto our training for the deployment that was when we were going to be that was 08 when we we're going to be leaving for uh iraq yep. You know, when we first showed up to where all the training was going to be going down, it was in um, Williamsburg, Virginia. There was nothing planned. There was nothing set up for us. But the CBs showed up and they said, OK, let's set up the motor pool. Let's get buses. Let's get these guys moving to wherever we need to get going. Let's, they were organized. They took charge. And I said, you know what? That's what we need. We need more people like that. And from that point forward, and I did that. I So everybody who got in trouble during that deployment had to go and give a big speech on the training of what they got in trouble for. So if you got busted drinking and wound up missing muster call and you were UA, you had to give a a speech on alcoholism and drinking in the military. If you moved or if you miss ships movement, which was just, you missed the V the buses, you had to give a speech on that. So I first, I was like, I could give a speech better than these assholes. Well, in my training group, it just so happened that I had three Master Chiefs, Master Chief Splain, Master Chief Buckaloo, and Master Chief Teed. Master Chief Teed was my Master Chief up in Iraq, and I love that man to death. He taught me about real leadership. Master Chief Splain, God rest his soul. Bosun mate Master Chief who passed away not too long ago. Master Chief Buckaloo, I'm still in touch with him. Fantastic man. Again, taught me a lot about leadership. He said, is that so, Boats? I was like, yeah, Master Chief. He's like, well, good. You're going to be given the next speech out in front of the entire battalion. I was like, well, shit. <laughs> so, of course, I'm the E4 Mafia knows better than ever. So I was like, fuck it. I'll do it. They were like, what are you going to do it on? I was like, teamwork and participation. And they're like, fine, you got it. So I put together a PowerPoint. The first thing I said when I got out there, I was like, I'm BM3 Brazil. And I'm not in trouble for anything. The whole place erupted. Because they just dying laughing because, and I had two full bird colonel or two full bird captains. I had Cap McCann's and uh, the JAG officer right up in front, a bunch of commanders, a bunch of match chiefs. Everybody's dying laughing. I'm sitting there like, 
and you know how this goes when people start asking stupid questions and like, <laughs> Hey, uh, you know, well, no, somebody will have like, does anybody have any questions? You get one guy who raises his hand. Yeah. And it's a good question. And the, whoever it is who's doing that will walk up to them, shake their hand, give them the coin, and then that opens up the floodgates for all the stupid, all the stupid shows. I was like, don't be asking stupid questions about like, uh, yeah, Master Chief, I got this this lint in my pocket and it came with my uniform. Do I have to turn it back in and shit like that? Because you know that stupid shit gets asked. You know, like, how do we go about this uniform thing? Or I haven't gotten paid. Did you use your fucking chain of command? You know, yeah. when we have working parties, don't go and fucking hide. Let's get this shit done. And Nobody I was like, gave us the pa- password to the Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah, what's the password to fucking Wi-Fi? I don't even know if we had Wi-Fi then. But, At, you know, that's when I gave, On our side, we did. They just when, started that, building it up. That's when I gave the big shout out to the CBs for having all that stuff organized. I was dropping people's names and stuff like that, saying this guy was doing, these guys were doing the CBs, you know, these guys were working hard. And that's the type of shit that we need to see more. And from that point forward, I was living a life of luxury. Those dudes wouldn't fuck with me. They took care of me. The guys who were all salty motherfuckers who were, you know, good friends with the CBs, they all had my back in everything that I did. That was one of the best deployments and hardest deployments that I'd ever been so on. How many but, how many shots of whiskey and cigars did that get you? Well, I didn't really smoke that many cigars at the time, but yeah, I, I could I went without a need for that yeah. rest of that. They looked out for me. And when I came back, I was treated like a fucking hero. I made second class on that deployment, but I was treated like a fucking hero with the CBs. They were like, you're one of us, man. We got you, bro. And I still, when I run into those guys, most of them had been retired for over a decade. And I'll run into them every once in a while. They'll hit me up. Hey, man, how you been, brother? I I really want, man, I see what you're doing. You're good people, man. I always knew you were a good egg. I was like, that's bullshit because I was the one who took the damn flag. And y'all fucked me over really bad. They're like, no, man, it's a good fun. <laughs> But it's, that's, that's all in fun. All of that's all in fun. But we, yeah. but but it's it's one of those things. If you if there's a for every action, there's always with CBs. There's always an equal and overreaction. Oh, definitely overreaction. But Tom, man, uh, I greatly appreciate you coming on board, bro. Coming on, talking, man, bringing it up. You know. The, 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 that counseling and that talking about your feelings. And I know it sounds like oh, a big sensitive. Sh-. It, it gets a lot of stuff off your chest. And a lot of that weight comes off the shoulder. People don't understand talking about these things. And you don't have to go out and be like, you know, I feel you don't have to do all that shit. But talking with your significant other, your partner in life, your children, and letting them understand what's going on. It helps a great deal in your life. You know, I just had a long conversation with my wife. We'll, we'll call it a conversation. It was a big argument that her and I just had. And I wasn't punching holes in walls. I wasn't screaming. I wasn't cursing her out. I wasn't doing any of this shit because that stuff, that, that's where our issues come from, man. Well, it's not, it doesn't just make your life better. It is your life. The communication yeah. that you have with those around you, that is your life. Agreed. Agreed, man. But I want to thank you for coming, you know, coming forward and being able to talk about that stuff and, you know, putting it out there. The one thing that I want this podcast to do is reach out to those guys that that don't see the issues and what they're doing, that that think what they're doing is OK. It's not OK, man. You, you, you're really destroying the lives of those around you by not fixing yours and they want to help. 
So I, I want to thank you for coming on board, man. Uh, we're going to be closing it up here. Dude, always, man. You know where I'm at on TikTok, the Broken Arrow. I'm always available. You got my number, man. Um, yes. You can, you guys, uh, if you're looking for time, man, y'all watch this, 72, y'all underscore watch underscore this, 72, man. You can find his content on TikTok. You guys can, uh, if you guys really need to reach out to him, I'm sure he can make himself available. Uh, you can find him down in the Alabama and uh, he's part of that VFW doing God's work, man. I appreciate what you do, brother. Thank you. Thank you again, man, for coming on board. You have a wonderful day, fair winds, and following seas. <laughs>